Oh God, through the written word today and through my spoken word today, may we all come to know your living word, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. I'm going to begin today by talking about the doctrine of Christian perfection. Doesn't that sound exciting this morning? The doctrine of Christian perfection. It's not often that I start a sermon talking about doctrine. In fact, I probably rarely mention doctrine at all. You may not even know what doctrine is. But doctrines are stated beliefs of the church that help to support and help us to clarify what it is that the Bible teaches us about faith. And as a Methodist, very plainly and clearly, the doctrine of Christian perfection, about becoming more perfect like Christ, as Jesus calls us to, and being more perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect, means that we are to set out and set a course in life that helps us to perfect this practice and this belief that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. So I'm not preaching doctrine today, but I'm mentioning that because it's a very Wesley and very Methodist thing for us to understand what it means to be in Christ and perfect like him in certain ways. I want to address that today. And I want us to think about that in terms of small groups. What is a small group? How do we define a small group? And why is that important for our discipleship? For us as Christians, why is it valuable for you and me to be a part of a smaller group other than just our, our group that gathers here on Sunday morning. It's a vital practice. It's a time-tested tradition. It is something of not just our Methodist Christian heritage, but 2,000 years of Christian faith, by which Christians have found the ability to find victory over difficulty in life and to march through the week to come with a confidence and a faith that can be not matched by anything the world can throw at it. So why is it important for us to participate? How will that help me? How will that help you in a small group study or Sunday school class? How will that help me to become a more faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? A few things this morning that I'll mention. And the first value of that is the maturity factor of becoming more mature as a person of faith, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know how you think of yourself when you look in the mirror in the morning as you get up. Do you look and see yourself as, as someone wise and, and a sage of sorts that has accumulated a lot of knowledge and understanding about life and about God along the way? Some of us may be more knowledgeable and, and good at things in life than others, but are you mature in your understanding of who it is that you are and who it is that God calls you to be? Well, some of us, and Paul warns us in the scriptures this morning not to just, just think immaturely about faith and to just go along with, with the way the, the world flows us as if we're floating on a river but instead to be intentional about growth and to chart out and discover things, to learn lifelong lessons and along the way to be encouraged in our faith. 
How are you becoming more mature in your understanding of who God is and of who he calls you to be as his child in the world? There was a little boy that actually he was a teenager that went missing out of confirmation class one year. It had been four or five weeks since he had attended class and one of his buddies ran into him in school and he, he asked him, where have you been? We've missed you at, at confirmation class and at church on Sunday. Well, the, the boy explained to him, I, I don't think I need to come anymore. I think I've figured this God thing out now. Oh, yeah? His friend said, how is that? Well, he said, I've learned just to change tactics with God, and it seems to be working for me. Well, how's that, his friend said. Well, I, for a long time, had been praying to God to, to give me a new bike. I prayed for, for months that I would get a new bike to be able to ride to school and, and to enjoy out in the woods, and it never happened. Oh, yeah, his buddy said. So what do you mean you changed tactics? He said, well, I, I discovered that instead, I should go and steal a bike and, and pray to God for forgiveness after the fact instead. He changed tactics to get what he wanted. Well, that, that's an immature view of God and of the role that God plays in our lives and of what God has to offer to us. Do we get stuck in places where we simply think that God is a genie that should just provide for us whatever it is we wish? There is an understanding of God we come to that is much deeper and greater if we will put in the work and the time to study and understand who he is. And it's in an atmosphere of study in a small group and prayer together and doing the works of Christ together that we grow in our faith and become more mature and more wise, wiser than the world. You know, for John Wesley and Charles Wesley, his brother, the genius of their Methodist movement that really helped to, to start in, in England, across the whole continent there, a movement of renewal and revival in the 1700s was, was the genius of organizing people into small groups. These small groups, he called bands, and, and they were into bigger classes as well. And, and each week, those classes were to meet. And those people would check in with one another. It wasn't just, hey, fellowship time and, you know, some coffee and a donut. It was studying the word, scripture that God presents to us through the Bible. Challenging and encouraging each other and doing what is right and good in the week to come. Asking each other, how is it with your soul? What's going on with you? What are your struggles? What are your failures and your difficulties in life? How is it that you're tempted to do what is wrong and not be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect? I don't know about you, but I have a difficulty thinking of myself as perfect. Do you? Maybe you do. Is, is there anybody? You can raise your hand today, boldly. None of us think that we are perfect. And yet Jesus said that statement, didn't he? He did. The Gospels tell us faithfully that Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And it's easy for us to think, well, I should just throw in the towel now and give up altogether because I'm never going to attain that. And yet John Wesley taught and organized these groups together 
like Sunday school classes on Sunday or Bible studies on, on a weeknight here. These growth groups, he formed them together and said challenge each other to set the goal in life to become perfect before the very end. Perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, does that mean that all Methodists uh, just walked through life and, and had no problems back in the 1700s or the 1800s or the 1900s, and maybe I'm just not getting it now in the 2000s or the 2010s? No. No, the understanding of perfection is being perfect in love, not in, in action and in all that we do. Are you seeking out perfection in love, the love of God first, and loving your neighbor as yourself second. That's what Wesley was getting after with this doctrine of Christian perfection. It's our goal to become mature in life so that we might love others as God has loved us. To put ourselves in a place where we can grow in our faith is important, and in the church, the small place to do that. Another, another thing that's, comes a benefit from from being in a small group in the life of the church or even outside of the church in Christian fellowship is to become better in practicing your faith not just more knowledgeable about it right yeah John Wesley taught that we should have a faith that affects our head but also our heart to move us to live out and to practice out this calling of love in our life our call to be Lovers of God first and lovers of our neighbors even before ourselves. To become better in practice of our Christian faith is a reason that we need to gather to encourage each other and lift each other up in doing that each and every week. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to get bitter in life, isn't it? To see all the bad things that are going on in the world and to hear all the negativity that, that people have to to share and met out, and to have someone to tell us and remind us when we gather that we're loved, unlike any other love, by our Father in heaven sacrificially, I need to hear that each and every week. I need to hear that each and every day. That needs to be our mantra to help us grow and practice that out in our homes and in our workplace and in our schools and wherever we find ourselves. You know, you look at the public discourse in the world and in our country and you hear in politics the, the vitriol that goes back and forth. Um, words that tear people down and hurt others. People trying to throw other politicians out of office. Back and forth, the politics of Washington seem to be at, at the front and center of, of everything that we think and hear. We need to hear a voice of calm and a voice of civility and a voice of peace in it all. And it's the words of Jesus Christ. It is the encouragement to live as he calls us to, not as the world calls us to, that we need to live. I need to be uh, encouraged in life to seek God out instead of the world. Do you? I love the story of the little boy that one day at school was walking into class, and all morning long, his teacher noticed that he was sticking his stomach out just as far as he could. He was walking around like this. And she was like, or whatever his name was, what in the world are you doing? 
And he said, well, I went to the nurse this morning when I got to school because I wasn't feeling well. She was afraid to hear what was going to come next. And she said, well, then why are you sticking your stomach out like that? And he said, well, the nurse told me that she thought I'd be okay if I could just stick it out till noon and then have lunch and go home. And so he understood that to mean that he should stick his stomach out because he told her that it hurt. And that's not what she meant together at all, is she? Altogether differently, she was talking about being patient and talking about not being so quick to, to bounce on our urges and to do just what feels right in the moment. Paul reminds us in the scripture to not do as the pagans do and to follow after just our urges and our hungers in life, but to find encouragement from one another as the body of Christ. Even accountability. Accountability. Now, if you want to, to think about small groups or Sunday school and how they have evolved over the past several hundred years from Wesley's bands and small groups um, known as, as classes, uh, you should read some of the questions that he instructed his followers to ask one another. Very pointed questions. Like, where is it that you have sinned in the past week? Go ahead and tell everybody was what he was getting at. To share openly what it is that you've done wrong, where you've fallen short. To hold accountability and to help us walk on the path that leads to life. We may not do that to that level today. I don't know, maybe we would increase our participation in Sunday school if we did that, or if the choir did that on Wednesday nights, telling it all. Uh, people would come out more. But the point is, we grow in our discipleship of Christ by being lifted up in the right ways and to be, well, convicted in the wrong ways of practicing this walk that we are called to in Jesus Christ. The last benefit of being a part of a small group is that it will help us to make our life's goal heaven and not just this world. We get so caught up, don't we, and so hung up on our bucket list in life, don't we? I have items that I'm thinking of that I've got maybe 30 or 40 years to to get in before my time here in this life is done, but, but stepping back from that, we have to think and we have to remember that we have a greater purpose. There's a greater good or reason for us being here, and it's not just about running out the clock with all the time that we have left to have our fun and to do what it is that we want to do. Well, that's important, and it's valuable in life, but, but what about God in it all? What about loving your neighbor? We're going to talk about next week's service and serving others. And we'll get to that then and there. But to make our goal in this life is, is plain and simple to live our life in such a way here that we will be prepared when the end of it comes to step into the next and to go where it is that we desire to be with our Father in heaven. There's something that, that shakes us up and challenges us in life when we have to face death. I like how Paul talks about in the scripture and begins in writing to the Philippians uh, about growing and becoming more mature by mentioning um, 
what his goal is in life. Did you hear? I tell you, um, well, no, he says, I want to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. And so somehow, and here's the goal part, the goal of his life, somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. I don't know about you, but my desire is to one day be in my Father's house in heaven and to join with him and all of those saints that have gone before me in faith and to spend the rest of eternity worshiping him and glorifying him and being swept up in my maker and in my savior and in my, my friend, Jesus Christ the Lord. Sometimes in life it takes a wake-up call, a shake-up. If you will, to help us think about what are we doing here? What am I doing with my time left here? It can really change us when we're confronted with that. And Paul mentions that in the Scriptures. One of the devotions that I use daily, and it's an email devotion that uh, plain and simply is sent out to all the subscribers. And that can be sent by Facebook and Instagram. There are other means through social media that it goes out. And it encourages me to read every day a word of Scripture and to hear some thoughts about it. I can share with you devotional material like that so that you can have God's Word a part of your daily breathing, especially when you start out in the morning or when you go to bed at night. It's good to meditate upon the Lord. And we have printed materials back in the Northex, Upper Room Daily Devotionals. But my email devotional this weekend was, was about Paul and Luke, the writer of the book of Acts. Now, this devotional has been daily taking a piece of, of the book of Acts and working me through it. And it's been fascinating and powerful to be reminded of how Paul and the early apostles went to great lengths to preach the gospel to all different parts of the world they had never been to before. But today was the part, or yesterday's devotion, was from Acts 27, and it was the story of Paul and Luke being on a boat and a great storm coming about and the great fear that was involved of those sailing the ship, of it coming apart and crashing to pieces and them all dying there in the Mediterranean because of a great nor'easter that had risen up. And they started to throw stuff overboard and they tied ropes around the bottom of the ship because they were fearful that if it, if it ran into the sandbars along the coast where they were, it would be busted to smithereens. And Luke wrote literally, we were afraid that we would not be saved uh, in the moment of all of that. It was a, a wake-up call for Luke. He remembered it. It shook him up. And then the devotional went on to talk about John Wesley in a similar storm. I've shared this story with you before. He and his brother Charles early in the 1700s in their ministry were sailing from England to Savannah, Georgia, going there to, to do ministry as Christian leaders and pastors. And a great storm came about, very similar to this one, of the storm in life that, that Luke wrote about, that he and Paul experienced, and it's a great fear in Charles Wesley. Water was filling up the boat. Things were falling apart. The mast was broken, and he was just fearful 
that he was going to die then and there. And there was a group of people, the Moravians, that were on board there. And they were just singing songs and had smiles on their faces as if it was nothing but a thing, that storm that was going on around them. Well, Charles Wesley and his brother John, after a couple of years there in the colony of of Georgia in the New Americas, uh, felt that they had failed in what they were called and went there to do. They went back to England, and John Wesley made it made it a priority to quickly go to the place called Hernhut in Germany, which is where the Moravian intentional community was because he wanted to know that peace in the midst of the storm. And soon after, in prayer and in study, John Wesley had a great awakening of the spirit that fueled his movement and sparked his inspiration. It stirred him and The Holy Spirit used it in a great and powerful way. Storms in life have that way of shaking us up, of redirecting our attention, of focusing us in the right direction if we are open to how God is in them. Where is the storm in your life right now? What is it that challenges you? How is it that you are facing turmoil and waters and winds stirring all around you that just seem to be crashing? and won't ever cease, and may lead to your impending doom. You need a group of people. You need brothers and sisters in Christ to remind you of this great God that we have, the love he has for us, and the power he has for us in the midst of storms. Our goal in life is to to walk in such a way, in love, the love of Christ, for God above all, and our neighbors as ourselves, and to build up each other in it in this life and in this place that we may be prepared for the life that is to come. And so that's the doctrine of Christian perfection, is to get better in love as we go along day after day and through the years. And I tell you to do that. I encourage you to do it. Become a part of a small group. Look for a Bible study that's starting. We have one in January, 12 weeks, that will beginning, be, be happening here in the church, both evening and weekday morning. Sunday school classes happen every week at 9 o'clock. Come talk to me. I'll, I'll find you some material, devotional material, to inspire you day after day. But grow, people. Be lifelong learners so that you can love God and others as he's created us and called us to. Let's pray together. Lord, create in us a fire that can only be of your Holy Spirit fueling it, a fire of your love that just fills us up and rages in such a way that we just want to be champions of it and to do all that we can to glorify you and to lift up others. Amen.